I want to talk to you this morning uh, very briefly from the story of Genesis about a mother, about a mother. So here we go. When you feel forgotten. Genesis chapter 16, I'm just going to read this whole chapter. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps, I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. In other words, it's your fault. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He said, He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. That means the God who sees. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar was born Ishmael to Abram. Now this story, when you read it, and you've heard it preached about and talked about, uh, would seem to focus on Sarah. Sarah was barren, she wasn't a mother, and she had waited for such a long time, and God had promised the child, and uh, as we know, she tried to figure out her own way uh, to get a child, and it kind of backfired on her. And, uh, and so the focus would seem to be on Sarah, but I want to talk to you just for a few moments about the forgotten mother in this story, Hagar. Hagar did not ask to be in this situation. And I think that there is something that we can all learn from mothers and how they handle situations. Hagar was an Egyptian maid 
and a handmaiden from Egypt. And I believe that when Abram and Sarai went down to Egypt right before this story, they acquired Hagar. Abram, there was a famine in the land and Abram and Sarai said, listen, we need to go to where there's some food. Uh, and so they went down to Egypt. Uh, we probably know some of the story about how Abram said, listen, he, he, as they were walking down to Egypt, he turned and looked at his wife. He said, you know what, something? You fine. You're a you fine woman. You're a beautiful woman. And when we get down here to Egypt, I kind of feel like they're going to look at you. They're going to kill me, but they're going to save you because you're so beautiful. So would you just say that you're my sister? So, you know, sometimes a man, a man will just say anything. Come to say the first thing. that That's why I appreciate mothers. You know, mothers, mothers are steady. <laughs> mothers are like the rock in the family. You know, sometimes a man gets in trouble or finances are in trouble or one of the kids are in trouble and a man might just say anything. No telling what he might say, you know. And uh, so, he, so Abram said, yeah, just say that you're my sister. Now, they went down there. I don't believe that they had very much, but by the time they left, uh, they, were, they were rich. They had everything. Uh, Pharaoh, of course, uh, his, his people saw Sarah and, and saw how beautiful she was. And Abram said, she's my sister. And she said, he's my brother. And he, they said, okay, well, you're going into Pharaoh's house because you're too beautiful uh, not to be in the, in the house of the king. There are some writings. There's an old Jewish writing called the Midrash. Maybe many have not ever heard of that. It's just Jewish historical documents. This is not canonized. It's not Bible. But these Jewish writings suggest that Hagar could possibly have been one of the daughters of Pharaoh at the time. And uh, I, I'm not telling you that that's the case, but just in some historical documents, uh, that could be the case. And so by the time that the Lord began to deal with Abram, Abram said, wait a minute, this woman is another man's wife. And he went back to Abram and said, Abram, why did you do this to me? You having your God come against me. This is your wife. Take your wife. Take all these animals. Here's some handmaidens. And if Hagar was his daughter, here's my daughter as well to, to help you out. Take all this and go. Be blessed and go somewhere. I don't want, I don't want trouble from your God. And so they left and, and they were blessed. And it's just, it's interesting, just a side note, how, how, God, how Abram would just say, that's not the only time he said that, uh, you know, Sarah's my sister. There was another time, I think it was with Abimelech. And uh, another time he said this, men are just, it's interesting. We might say some of anything. It reminds me just briefly uh, a story about when I was, uh, I graduated high school and I was working, uh, before I went to the army, I was working at MCL Cafeteria. Anybody remember MCL? We used to have one here. Uh, and I ate as much as I worked there at the MCL because I got half off, you know, I was a bus boy. And uh, working there at the MCL, my brothers were at home. It was uh, May, uh, it was this time. It was, in fact, it was Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day and I was working on Mother's Day and I was having a great time because though everyone was coming in that afternoon after church, you know, uh, everyone was coming in to eat. Everybody was so happy because it was Mother's Day. So it was a joyous day. Even though I was working very hard, I saw all the mothers, I saw all the families uh, coming in and they were laughing and I was laughing. We were having a good time until my boss came out and said, you have a phone call. I said, I got a phone call. I'm, you know, here, I'm here working. You know, my, my, I said, my dad took my mom out to dinner for Mother's Day. They didn't come to the MCL. Uh, they were somewhere else. I don't know. Nice dinner. Uh, so I said, okay, well, it must be one of my brothers. So I call, I get on the phone, and it's my neighbor, my good friend, 
Never forget, William Butler lived across the street from me. He called me on the phone at work. I said, William, why are you calling me at work? You know, I'll be home shortly. He said, no, man, you got to get home now. You got to get home now. Something has happened with your brother. I said, what happened? Is my brother all right? He said, he's all right for now, but he won't be uh, when your mother gets home. So that's why I gave him $18 to buy a one-way bus ticket to Detroit. I said, William, you can't give uh, my brother an $18 bus ticket to Detroit. What happened? He said, man, just come home. So got off work, went home, parked, went up in my driveway, looked at the house, and there's a big hole in the side of our house. I can see into the house. I see my dad's stereo uh, in the living room of the house from the driveway. And so I said, wow, something happened here. <laughs> so I, William come running over. I said, William, uh, you better get two tickets uh, to Detroit because I think both of us uh, are going to be in trouble. And so my brother had run the car into the side of the house. Uh, and so my, my dad and mom, we didn't call them. We just, you know, they came home, pulled up in the driveway. Mother's Day. This is Mother's Day. My mom gets out of the car and uh, in disbelief, she just throws her head and hands onto the hood of the car like this. She just, and my dad gets out of the car. Now see, my mom, I was scared of her, but because it was Mother's Day, uh, we were more afraid of my dad. And I didn't know what he was going to do. And I looked at him, and uh, he turned about four different shades, and then he just walked into the house. He didn't say anything to anybody. That was scarier. I said, Kevin, I said, look, man, if you start walking now, and just tell everybody you're going south, and just walk north, and, uh, you know, maybe. And so, uh, so, you know, my mom, she, they were just too upset to say anything at the time. So they, they both just went in the house. So we're all standing out in the driveway and some time goes by and we're thinking maybe, you know, everything's going to be okay. Maybe they'll just get it fixed and, you know, it's Mother's Day and everything will be okay. All of a sudden, something came over my dad. He came out into the driveway, said, everybody get out of the way. Kevin, you stand right there. Stand in front of the car. And he got his keys and said, stand in front of the car while I start this car and run, run you over. We said, Dad, you can't. And so finally he goes back into the house. And I just thought, you know, Dad, if something would come over you, you just might say anything. He, just, he was about to run my brother. And I believe he would have done it if my brother and I wouldn't have stopped him. He told stand in front of the car while I start this car and run you over. Guys might say anything. And then my mother come running out of the house and she said, no, no, no. It, it's all right. We'll be all right. And so, and so I'm so thankful for my mother who had a head on her shoulders at the time. <laughs> come on. And so Abraham said this thing. I don't know why he said this thing, but that also backfired on him and they left possibly with Hagar. And so Hagar goes with them and she sees how blessed they are because when they came, they didn't have much, but leaving, they're the richest people in the world. Abraham and Sarah, he said, she said, hey, I'm in a good situation. I'm in a situation of prosperity even though I'm the handmaiden. But then something happens. Sarai can't conceive, and she says, go. Now, she didn't ask Hagar, would you be willing to be a surrogate? How about a little IVF? We, we, we need to do something. Would you be willing? No, she didn't ask her. She's a handmaiden. She's a, she's a slave. And so even though she's in a situation of prosperity, she didn't ask for this. Uh, Abraham went into her, and she conceived a child. And now, all of a sudden, after she conceives the child... Sarai becomes despised in her eyes. 
And everyone downs Hagar for that. That her, her, her master became despised in her eyes. But can you imagine being in a situation you didn't ask for and now all of a sudden you have a blessing, you conceive, you have this life inside of you. Come on. I don't know about you, but I look at it a little different. I don't know. I'm not saying she was right. I'm not saying she was right, Jody. But I don't know that I blame her for feeling the way that she felt. And so Abram says, you know, Sarai, Sarai goes to Abram, this is your fault. It's like a mother. This is your fault. You should have stopped it. He didn't. And then he said, well, you know, she's your handmaiden. Do with her what you will. And so she treats her bad. She treats her wrong. She treats her so harshly that Hagar says, I'm just going to run. And she runs and she runs to a dry place. She runs to, in other words, she comes from a place of prosperity and she runs to a place where there's nothing. She's just out there. She's just in a dry place. And an angel of the Lord comes to her. What you doing, Hagar? What's going on? And she says, I'm running. I'm running. And the angel says, listen, you're going to be blessed, but you have to go back and submit. How many mothers have ever felt like, I just want to run sometimes? I don't want to run away from my kids. I'd like to take my kids. I just need to get away. They might even take their husband, depends on how he's acting that day. But I just need to get away. How many mothers have ever felt the weight of the world? Because I'm in a situation sometimes I didn't ask to be in. Of course, I had the children, but these other circumstances, come on, I never asked for this. I told you not to do that. I said, let's do something different. And now here we are. And I've got to deal with it. How many moms have felt the weight of the world on their shoulders? And they just wanted to get away. But God said, you have to go back and submit. You have to go back and submit. Where would some of us be if mothers didn't go back and submit? It didn't mean she would be in that situation forever. Maybe it was just a test of her faith, just like God would later test Abraham. But at the moment, she had to do what God was telling her to do. Where are you at? What are you doing, Hagar? Hagar ran. She ran. And while escaping her past, she met the Lord and ran into her future. Because the angel of the Lord was there predicting her destiny. And immediately she knew God sees me. God sees me. I named this place the one that sees me. God knows what I am going through. God knows the struggles that I've had. And though I feel forgotten, what do you do when you feel forgotten? You ever felt like you look around especially as a mother, but many of us, you look around at life and you see people going on with life, people going to work, people living their life with their families, going on vacation, doing whatever it is that they do, and they're just going along, but somehow you didn't get the memo. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. 
But I know there have been times when I've looked around and saw everybody going on with their life. And I don't know what it is. But I, I look at my life and I say, have I fulfilled my purpose? Where, where, where is my, what about my purpose, Lord? Why am I in this dry place? I mean, I have friends. But it just feels like I'm forgotten. Seems like everyone is excelling. Dorothy's excelling, Jody, Brother James, Sister Carol, everyone is excelling around me. But it just seems like I'm stuck in this place with these kids <laughs> that you gave to me, Lord. That are not listening to me, that are doing what they want to do. When I try to reason with them, they still do what they want to do. When I try to knock them upside the head, they still do what they want to do. What am I going to do, Lord? I feel forgotten. What do you do when you feel forgotten? You run to a dry place, but guess what? God is so faithful that he meets you in the dry place. In the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your troubles, in the midst of all that is going on around you, God meets you in the middle of your circumstances. He met the three Hebrew young boys in the fire. He didn't meet them before Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire and said, listen, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're not going to have to go to the fire. You, you won't have to do it. Don't worry about it. Just have faith in me. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, they had to go in the fire to find out that he was there in the midst. And so mothers go through this. It's not until they're in the fire that they realize God is here in the midst with me. And I am not forgotten. And I believe that there are three things, very briefly, that we can learn from Hagar's journey. Hagar, by the way, her name comes from two words, ha and agar in Hebrew, and it means you are the reward. It means you are the reward. See, sometimes as a mother, you're looking around, and as people, we look around and we're looking for our reward, and God is saying to you, you are the reward. Success is in your hands. Your ability to, listen to me now, your ability to excel is in your hands. You are the reward. And then God will say, look at me. I am your very great reward. He told Abraham that. So what are you looking for? What are you looking for? You're looking for more material possessions? Of course, God wants to bless you with those things. What do you want? You want good health? God wants to bless you with all of that. But where are you going to get it? I am your reward. Come to me. And then when you do that, now look in the mirror because I have given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Success is in your hands. Ha Agar, you are the reward, mother. You are the reward. You are the reward. The first thing we can learn from Hagar is this, understand your place. Now, when you first hear that, the first thing you think is what? Understand my, understand my place, I'm supposed to be in this place. Uh, this, is, this is not a down. This just means that wherever you are in life, understand that God knew you would be there and you are right where God wants you to be. Now, some might argue with that. I don't know about that. 
Listen, I don't care what you're, I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care. God already knows it. You're not surprising God with anything. And if it's any bad situation, it's not worse than anything he ever thought of. Come on, somebody. Your, your situation is not worse than, than God. He'll, he'll turn his head on you because you're in such a bad situation. Even if you got yourself in the situation. God knows exactly where you are. Understand your place and understand that God is there in the midst. If you're in the furnace, if you're in the fire, understand that God is there. You're not looking for him because of the circumstances and your eyes are on the trouble and the suffering all around you. But if you would just look up, you would realize that God is there with you. And he's telling you, speak my word. Have faith and speak my word in the midst. Why? Because you are the reward. Who's going to get you out of this situation? Guess what? You. Because you are the reward. I've, you say, God's going to get me out of it. Yeah, but he gave the Holy Spirit to you. He put the Spirit in you. He put all of his principles in you. He wrote his word on your heart. You know it. You know what to do. Look at the Spirit within you. Understand your place. And the second thing we can learn from this mother is you've got to face your obstacle. You, she wanted to run. She wanted to escape. And she ran to a dry place. And guess what? The dry place, the angel was there and said, go back. Go back because you've got to face your obstacle. You've got to face your obstacle. You're not going to be in this situation forever. But the only way to get over it is to go through it. The only way to get over it is to go through it. You want to know something? When the disciples were on the boat and the winds were tempestuous and the rain was coming down and the waves were going back and forth, Jesus didn't fly over the storm and land down on the boat and say, look, this is what we're going to do. We, we miss storms. We don't go through storms. No, no, no. This is the almighty God. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and me. He said, no, 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 you don't have to go around it. You don't have to be afraid of it. I've not given you the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And you can go right through it. Get out of that boat, walk right on the water. Walk right through the storm. It's coming. Bam, bam, come on. Storm coming, but I can walk right through it. Because he has given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. There are times when we have to face are obstacles. Mothers know that. <laughs> Reminds me of a story of a young boy on one summer night and there was a thunderstorm and the mother was tucking her son in and it, it, there was great thunder and it was shaking the whole house and he became afraid and uh, she was about to turn the light off when he asked her with a trembling voice, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? And smiling the mother gave him a warm reassuring hug and she said tenderly I can't dear I have to sleep in daddy's room tonight a long silence followed and at last it was broken by the boy's shaky voice saying that big sissy <laughs> there are times when we have to face our obstacles mothers know that and they empower us for that you see, sometimes the Lord calms the storm and sometimes the Lord allows the storm to go on and he calms the child. And we need to understand that God, God gives us strength to face obstacles and fears and whatever the enemy might throw against us, 
whatever people might throw against us, he gives us the strength to face all of those. Hagar had to face her obstacles and so do we. And then lastly, we have to understand and know that God hears you. Here's what we have to do. This is what we learned from Hagar. Settle it in your heart today, right now, that God hears you and God knows. Don't be shaky. Don't be shaky. Don't be like a wave of the sea, driven, tossed to and fro. Don't have that kind of doubt. No, settle it in your heart that God sees you. He hears you. He knows you. Even when you don't hear audibly. You want to know something? I want to tell you this. Uh, listen, uh, you know, you may say, well, I've heard, you know, God spoke to so-and-so. That person just is only saved about six months and seems like God's speaking to them all the time. Guess what? That's a blessing for you. Because that means uh, you, you ought to be mature enough to understand that God's given you some things. He doesn't have to sit there and tuck you in at night and stay with you all night. We don't need to call everybody else a big sissy. Guess what? We were a big sissy. And he stayed there and he tucked us in. But now there comes a point where we have to understand and know our place. We have to understand that we have to face our obstacles. And by doing that, we understand in our heart and we settle it in our heart that God sees us. God hears us and he sees us. Amen.